Okay. I want to do a little um, <coughs> leftovers this morning, and then we'll get into where we were. But last week, uh, <coughs> Art <coughs> picked it up where we had um, people were bringing what they owned, and or in a couple of cases, bringing the proceeds of the sale and laying at the apostles' feet. Some have suggested that this was a model for socialism or communism even, <clears throat> but through the years I've been privileged to sit at the feet of some great people. Our home church was 90 miles north of New Orleans and we had a fine relationship with a seminary and we had a couple of uh, professors that came our little town didn't have a hotel or didn't have a, a cafe, much less a, a better eating establishment, so they wound up at Velta's table. So, and I got to listen to these guys talk. And this passage came up one time. And one of the guys, I'm not sure if it was Malcolm Talbot or, or Ray Robbins, but he, he, they told me, they says, Bill, it didn't work because they sold their seed. You might have heard me say that. When they sold the land, they didn't have it again to plant. It never happened again in Scripture. This sharing all things in common never happened again in Scripture. Uh, so, I want you to look at Second uh, Corinthians for me just a minute. Second uh, Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verses six uh, through fifteen. This is the this is the way our giving should be in this time and place. As Art mentioned last week, our Old Testament uh, taught us the time, and we've kind of picked that up. And, and as he said, we've been it's been preached a long time that the tithe is. And the tithe is good. But I want you to hear what Paul said to the Corinthian church and to us today. Also, Art mentioned that the first day of the week, and he also mentioned that this was collection of um, a missionary gift that they were going to give them. And it says, lay aside on the first day of the week. So we've basically taken those two things and put them together. A tithe being 10%. And on the first day of the week. But again, let's look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 6. <clears throat> now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Not grudgingly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficient in everything, you may have an abundance for every good thing. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food 
will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof of your giving to this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ, for the liberality of your contribution to them, to all, while they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing greatness, grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Nothing said about the tenth. As God has blessed you, you give. Art in his <clears throat> post of last week, he makes this statement. He said, for many Americans, the tenth of our income is simply a good starting point. Not the generous given giving that we all should aspire to. Okay, that's all I'm going to say about last week's lesson. Okay, give as God's blessed you. Okay, back to Acts chapter 5. <clears throat> One more little sidebar and we'll get into the meat of the lesson. We've said the word Sanhedrin and the council. Um, this will come up again today as we read the Scripture. The Sanhedrin was patterned after what God told Deuteronomy that you appoint 70 people who will judge the nation. And it's through the years it has been passed down. The Sanhedrin was composed of the 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 priest hierarchy, the scribes, who are the lawyers, the Sadducees, which is the biggest sect, and the Pharisees. And that's what made up the council, or the Sanhedrin. They were 70 in number, plus the high priest, as Art mentioned last week. Now, the Sanhedrin functioned, it was it's all through the New Testament, especially through Acts and, and through the Gospels. And the, the biggest thing was the, the trial that Jesus went through. You know, the council was there. So the council and the Sanhedrin are inner, you can use those words interchangeably. The Sanhedrin, we're not really sure when it stopped. Most people said it stopped in 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed. Some people say it went along a little further, but it was ultimately demolished, and we don't hear anything about the Sanhedrin in Jewish life today. So with that said, when we read this about the council today, we'll have a little back background. Any questions? Okay. <clears throat> All right. We left off last week after Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira were killed because they were lied to the Holy Spirit about 
the land and the price that they sold for the land. <clears throat> and in verse 11 says, And great fear came over all the whole church and over all who heard of these things. You can imagine, you know, that here, here there was, uh, there was, <laughs> you better be careful what you say because it's going to, it can come back to haunt you. And so in verse 12 we said, we see this. Verse 12, At the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. I found it interesting that Art last week talked about at the feet of the apostles. Now we're talking about at the hands of the apostles. So in verse 12 he says, At the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all in one accord at Solomon's portico or Solomon's porch. This was the place that they had been right after uh, <clears throat> Jesus ascended. They kind of went to the temple and went to part of Solomon's uh, porch and we talked about how large the temple was. The temple itself was seven acres set on a 35 acre plot of ground and so there was plenty of room there. So they were all in one accord at Solomon's portico. Verse 13, But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. The unbelievers, they were scared to associate with them. But they held them in high esteem. They held them in high esteem. Verse 14, And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. It doesn't say they were added to the church. It doesn't say they were added to the apostles. It doesn't say anything but they were added to the Lord. I don't know where you were, but when I grew up, the term was joining the church. Anybody associate with that, that term? Joining the church. When, when I got right with the Lord in college, I hated that phrase and I still don't like it. It's not joining the church, it's joining Jesus. It's joining Jesus. There's a difference. And I think we've grown out of that thing. But it's not joining the church. These people didn't join the church, they joined the Lord. That's what he said here. They joined the Lord. <clears throat> okay. Uh, let's continue on. Verse 15. To such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the street and laid them on cots and pallets so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on one of them. Also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. We don't know 
We don't know that anybody was healed by Peter's shadow. We don't know that. But they were expecting... We've talked about that. Did you come to church expecting? They put those people out there on pallets expecting that Peter's shadow would even fall on them and that they would be, they would be healed. You remember the story that Luke told about, about the lady who had been sick for years. Sick for years. Spent all she had on doctors. And Jesus was coming by. And all she wanted to do was touch his coat. And Jesus said, who touched me? And his disciples said, Lord, that's silly. You know, look at the thrones of people. He said, somebody touch me. She was expecting a blessing and God healed her right there. So the, so the precedent had, had been set for Peter's shadow. But we don't know that anybody got healed from that, from Peter's shadow. Scripture doesn't tell us that. But look what it says in the last part of verse 16. People were coming together bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits and they were all being healed. They came expecting and God showed up at the hands of the apostles. The apostles were being obedient to what they knew and they were being healed. Okay. Verse 17. But. <laughs> we've talked about that little conjunction. That every time we see it in scripture. We're, we're turning the corner. But. The high priest. Rose up with all his associates. That is the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in the public jail. Now, some of my reading says that a public jail was just that. You, you could see. You could see who was in jail. And sometimes that humiliation was enough. Put you in jail. You could see who was in jail. That humil humiliation was enough. So they put these disciples in the public jail. Who did they put in there? The, 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 the apostles. Bill reads that as all 12 of them. They put all 12 in the public jail. But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison and taking them out he said go stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. We don't know how God did it. He said, an angel, and took them out. Now later on, chapter 11, we find out that exactly how Peter was moved from, from, from jail. 
But in this particular case, we don't have any, de any details except God moved them. And He told them, He says, go back to Solomon's porch and go back and start preaching. So, <clears throat> now, the high priest called his associates and they called the council, the Sanhedrin together, even all the city of the sons of Israel, and they sent orders to the prison to bring <clears throat> for them to be brought. But the officials who came did not find them in prison. They returned and reported back saying, we find the prison house locked quite securely and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened up, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. The angel said, you go and you start preaching. You start teaching. You start proclaiming. And that's exactly what they did. The Sanhedrin, after they had their morning coffee, they said, well, let's bring this bunch of guys in here and let's talk to them. They sent for the jailer and the jailer says, hey, they're not there. We don't know where they are. Then somebody says, they're in the temple teaching. They're in the temple teaching. Verse 26. Then the captain went along with the officials, proceeded to bring them back back without violence for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned blue letter commentary uh, blue letter bible one of the things I read from <laughs> said when the apostles went back to custody they knew how easy it would be for God to release them Again, if it pleased him to do so. Their past experience of the power of God had filled them with faith for the present. So when the guards came to take them back, okay, we'll see what God's up to this time. We'll go with you. We'll go with you. But what they didn't do, what they didn't do, is also interesting to me. Significantly, the apostles do not appeal to popular opinion for protection against the Jewish rulers. After all, they could have incited a crowd by shouting, are you going to let them take us away? But their trust in God alone. A carnal solution to their problem was available but they did not use it. But what did the what did the the guards say? We y'all go go quietly because uh, say we'll pick up a stone and throw. <laughs> That's what they said. Verse twenty six. <clears throat> Bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people that they might be stoned. 
you know, when, you, when you've got faith in what God's going to do, and you've got precedent, He's done it before, He can do it again, that puts a little extra step in your kick. Yes. God got him out of prison? Yes. We'll keep on going. We'll keep on going. So, verse 27. When they brought them, they stood before the council, the Sanhedrin. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching. Look at these next three words. In this name. Amazing grace, we've talked about it before. It's, it's easy to sing Amazing Grace. Everybody knows Amazing Grace. It's, it's proper in every city you want to. Why? God's not mentioned and Jesus is not mentioned. Jesus is a dividing line. We'll say something, well, God told me. But when you say, Jesus told me, that's something else. The high priest couldn't even say his name. Look at him in verse 28. We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. In this name. Turn with me, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. When we were in Philippians, we went through this in extensiveness, in, in detail. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. G.E. Parker. So it's not... Ephesians, it's not Galatians, but it is Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. For this reason also, God, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Back to Acts. Look at Acts 4, 12. Just turn, turn left one page and if your Bible is like mine. Verse 4, verse 12. This is one of those things you need to know. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name 
Back to chapter 5. Verse 28. We told you not to preach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intent to bring this man's blood upon us. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom you put to death by hanging him on the cross. This is the fourth time, the fourth time that the disciples and Peter have laid Jesus' death at the feet of the council. You did it. You did it. You did it. And if they remember back at when Pilate was sending him to the cross, and it says, what about letting Barabbas do this? No. Crucify him. He says, let his blood be on us and our children. <coughs> and he's reminding them. This is the fourth time in five chapters of Acts. He says, you killed him. The blood's on your hands. Verse 31. He is the one whom God exalted to the right hand as Prince and Savior to grant repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Who obey Him. At the hands of the apostles. At the hands of the apostles. John 14 tells us. We read it several times before. But John 14 tells us. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. So, the Holy Spirit's come. He's dealing with these people. And we see miracles and healings and all of this taking place. Well, we'll pick up with Gamaliel next week and uh, go into chapter 6 and um, go from there. Any questions? Any comments? No questions? No comments? Okay. All right. Let's be dismissed. Ken, will you dismiss us, brother? Amen.